Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Advertising show, so good that you're here. We've got a couple of hours loaded with a lot of great stuff. You're going to learn some stuff and also be entertained today. Our special guest has uh, got a book that in some uh, some circles wouldn't uh, wouldn't be displayed. No. Uh, <laughs> Asinine Advertising is the name of the book, and it's so true. Uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis is his name, and uh, he'll be joining us this weekend from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, had a chance to talk about Mexican restaurants. You know, Brad, you and I love Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Fort Lauderdale, unfortunately, does not have many, a few, a handful of good Mexican restaurants, especially uh, Tex-Mex. So welcome to the food show. Yeah. Brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com is their website. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production, and uh, we hope you can stay with us. Just a few minutes away from uh, Joe Jaffe, uh, going to be talking about ad budgets and exactly how they base the qualifications of an ad budget and the allocation of those ads. And uh, the answer to that is you usually base it on research that is old. Uh, for instance, when you buy a radio station, you buy uh, ratings that are several months old, trusting sure. that the upcoming ratings will be still as good. And mm-hmm. the same goes for television and so on and so forth. Sweeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, let's see. Patrick Myers with us uh, in hour two. We've got Jeffrey Gittimer here. Uh, are you a winner or a whiner? You know those guys? I couldn't close a sale. I don't know. <laughs> uh, those are the guys who usually end up moving around a lot. Uh, Saddam is uh, doing a media circus. Andy Borowitz is with us. So the Wacky World of Marketing uh, also keeping it... Over there, the Osama Book Club. Did you hear about that? No. Okay. Well, you will. And a little bit later on this hour, we'll do an advertising showcase for you. So time's up this segment. Have a nice day. Yeah. So okay. uh, what do you got cooking there? Well, uh, I saw this. I thought it was interesting. Paula Abdul, of course, you know her from where? The TV show, American Idol. American Idol. Idol. Absolutely. Yeah. I like her, she, too. She's good. Well, I do, I do, too. I think she's, she, does, she does a good balance between the other two guys. And she had a bit of a controversy last spring with the Corey Clark scandal. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know really what it's happened to that other than it kind of died away. But apparently, uh, the guy you love to hate, Simon Cowell, as well as uh, Randy Jackson, have both uh, created some issues with GLAAD, and, of course, GLAAD being the Gay and Lesbian Alliance. Uh, we have apparently a problem with the Gay Rights Advocacy, advocacy Group, where they've expressed some disappointment, Ray, uh, with Fox's American Idol over several comments the two judges uh, have mentioned on their premiere, issue, uh, premiere uh, episodes recently. Uh, Jackson apparently uh, asked a, con- a contestant if he was a girl. And then Cal, and then Cal okay. suggested, yeah, Cal suggested another male contestant uh, might be more successful if he wore a dress. So uh, I don't know. I, I I would think that uh, just even trying to be politically correct and not offend just regular people, let alone glad that you probably would want to shy away from that. I mean, I don't mind them taking a shot at uh, you know somebody's uh, poor singing capability, but you know how people are dressed or their uh, femininity, femininity, or yeah, uh, whatever right. you know, or yeah. their lack of masculinity, or whatever the case may be. I think that might be stretching it a little bit. But apparently, uh, 
whatever you think of uh, GLAD, which I guess is just another political action group out there, yeah. they're coming down on Fox, and you know uh, they they had to keep their comments more directed to the uh, to the singing. I don't know. What do you think? Right? I think they should definitely. They shouldn't even yeah. get involved in that kind of stuff. Hey, no. I forgot to mention too. We've got uh, 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 Herschel uh, Gordon Lewis going to be uh, with us here in just a few minutes on the advertising show, and uh, right now let's check in with the man who has a slight accent. I'm saying. Deep East Texas, I don't know where. Could be uh, Idaho, I'm not sure. Let's listen to uh, uh, Joe Jaffe on the advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective. Featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. It always amuses me how budgets are allocated and divided up. Using syndicated research based on panel-based data from a year, maybe even two years prior to present day. I always ask the question, who died and made us the experts at determining how the consumer behaves or perceives media, how they consume media, whether they're open or not to being messaged to or sold to, especially at 9 o'clock at night whilst leaning back and submitting or watching CSI on CBS, for example? There is very little science and even less art when it comes to dividing up budgets based on the past. That's not the way the present and the future works. Yes, absolutely we can extrapolate insights and learnings from the past and use them to project or even predict the future. But I would question how accurately, in fact, we are able to gauge and predict the future, especially in a marketplace, in a landscape, where change is so prolific. There is no doubt in my mind that we need to rethink very strongly how we approach budget setting, how we allocate, how we divide, and ultimately how we conquer. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC, and author of Life After the 32nd Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings and uh, Brad Forsyth. i got to push stop there. There we go. And uh, we've got uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis here joining us uh, momentarily uh, with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Don't you like his accent, Brad? I do. Okay. Well, I do, and I, I wish Herschel would pick a name. I mean, how many do you need? Well, it's okay. I mean, we all have we all have three names, and he just decided to use his more. That's all. It's well, fine. Those those literary people, you know, they're always messing around with the names. Uh, you know, Alex Ben Block. True. True. And and now we have Herschel. Uh, what was it again? Herschel Gordon Lewis. <laughs> yeah, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Inside the actor's studio with Herschel Gordon Lewis. Yeah. What's funny is it's like there's no last name there, Herschel. Possibly so. Maybe it's his wife's name. We, we'll need to ask him about that. Who <laughs> yeah, knows? that's true. Uh, the, uh, let's see. The Olympics coming up here, and it says no gold medal. This is from the Chicago Sun-Times. No gold medal for the Olympics uh, ads from McDonald's. Uh, Louis Lazar believes the uh, new Olympics themes commercials for McDonald's, their TBWH Hyatt Day, mm-hmm. demonstrate how the fast food giant has completely lost its way under Mary Dillon, its new global CMO. McDonald's new Olympic advertising is an odd and wholly unsatisfying combination of the overblown and the shockingly underwhelming, he writes. Wow. wow. So I guess well, maybe he got a bad deal there at McDonald's one day. Got a bad burger or something. Hey, you know, you mentioned the Olympics. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, and now that it's well before the Olympics, and I'm going to say that Bodie Miller, this uh, ski guy that is very controversial, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right, right, right yeah. Bodie Miller is going to be the man to get to 
get to uh, endorse endorse things on the other side of the Olympics. I think his controversy is going to work to his benefit, yeah. and marketers are going to seek him out, and he's going to make all kinds of dough uh, if he just meddles. I think he'll do well. And I suggest that he might not do well. Uh, I think that they marketers will be afraid to touch him as well. well. Uh, I think uh, you know, that'll be real interesting to see uh, what happens to him. But you're absolutely right. He has grabbed attention. But then again, sometimes the attention isn't exactly the best thing Good to attention. have. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. right. <laughs> We've got to we take tell. a break here. Got to take a break on the advertising show. Back with the man with three names, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, in <laughs> just a moment with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Stay with us. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Susie Chapstick has changed her name. Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather, so Chapstick is the only name for me. Chapstick lip balm helps keep wind and cold. It's The Advertising Show, Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, and... uh, now, our special guest here on the show, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, author of uh, Asinine Advertising, who is with us out of Fort Lauderdale this weekend, actually mentions uh, Susie uh, Chapstick in his book. It's uh, page 108, and talking about a lady who connects uh, with the brand. So we welcome Herschel Gordon-Lewis, a former chairman of uh, Communicorp, full-service direct marketing agency. He now heads uh, Lewis Enterprises, through which he writes and consults individually for clients in the United States and a number of other countries. And we'd read the rest of your bio, Herschel, but we only have so only much time in this hours, segment. Yeah. Yeah. I, so you we, only have a week. I understand. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome from Fort Lauderdale uh, to the advertising show. Nice to have I you here. I am honored to be on the advertising show. Well, it's, uh, it's we who are honored, uh, Herschel. I, I want to make a, a mention real quick. A lot of people don't know. Herschel is a Ph.D., and uh, Ray just sent me a note. He wanted me to ask you if you think Cialis is right for him. Now, Brad, we talked about that before the show. We did? Yes, I we did. I can't well, give it, a discount on prescriptions. The yeah. commercials always say, ask your doctor. So I thought since we had Herschel here, hey, Herschel, you've got an outstanding yeah, book. I've, i got to tell you. I have a friend you. named Ray who uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. friend. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I have a, I have, I've had the pleasure, both Ray and I, of looking at your book. And i got to tell you, if not for just the uh, the title of your book, uh, I think everyone should pick it up because I think anyone that has spent any time in the advertising uh, field certainly has dealt with uh, asinine advertising. And usually it's asinine advertising that comes from, shall I say it, asinine clients. Uh, what, what is your experience? First of all, let's, let's lay some groundwork here for our audience. Describe okay. the central hypothesis of your book, Asinine Advertising, if you would, Herschel. All right. As you folks probably know, uh, my background is largely in direct response, in which we keep score by the number of times the telephone or the cash register rings. So what has me somewhat confounded in the Internet era, for example, is the dependence that so many advertisers, and I must say their agencies have, on procedures that may have worked in the antediluvian period, let's say the 1980s and 1990s, but are totally out of key with what 
people expect and will respond to in the 21st century. That science fiction monster which has usurped and thwarted attention spans, the Internet, has changed the technique of communication. And people who ignore that change deserve to fail. Well, I think that's an outstanding point. Now, you mentioned that your background is in uh, direct response. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm curious. I would think that uh, direct response would be a industry today that, you know, you'd be a little nervous about being in, especially with the uh, advent of the Internet and transitioning to the Internet. And I'm talking about traditional direct marketing, direct response type advertising. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the question always comes up, is direct mail dead? It's, in some cases, it's dormant because some of the practitioners just don't know what they're doing. But direct response quite wisely has hugged the web to its bosom. So <laughs> the corruption goes in two, two directions. And if a mailer, if someone who puts together direct response space ads, for example, a direct response space ad is any, any particular ad, and that also applies to broadcast, in which the person who sees or hears the message is supposed to perform a positive act as the direct result of exposure to that message. If that has been performed correctly, it's not only alive and well, it's kicking, because many of the losers are already gone from the arena. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing now, for example, with email is this filtration process in which, yes, folks like us who are in the business will in the morning click on, and here we have 60 to 100 email messages, almost all of which are instant deletes because the people who are sending those are either blissfully unaware of how to communicate or they're at the mercy of list rental companies who simply are so greedy they don't, uh, they don't pretend <laughs> to isolate a demographic that makes sense. In my opinion, those who pay attention to, to the trends of the 21st century, regardless of whether they're in direct mail or in space advertising or in broadcast or for that or, or they, are, they are on matchbook covers, they will succeed because they are matching the message to the medium. Well, Herschel, if, if the world, and certainly the U.S. consumers, are so well-connected today through the Internet, why is my mailbox still full of traditional direct mail, direct marketing? You're, well, because it, as long as it's not losing money. You see, you and I and are on a different planet from many people. What is finally happening in direct mail is what we might call demographic psychographic select. So instead of just uh, following a philosophy, uh, I shot some mail into the air, it fell to earth, I know not where. Yeah. <laughs> Mailers, unlike emailers, are learning that sending less mail, to the, but sending it to the right people, will pay off. And that is working very well for some of the clients I have, for example, in, in the world of insurance, in the world of expensive appliances, for that matter... Uh, Automobiles is driving people to a specific dealership where you go on, you watch television, and here is a commercial 
which is in a pod that may have six other commercials, and they're not even separated by a dark frame. So here's Acura and Lincoln side by side. You don't even know which one you're looking at. And here's a line that says, see your Toyota dealer today. Right. That is as obsolete as Act Now, which has zero impact behind it. The procedure that is working in the 21st century is what we might call force communication. That's, that's, the, that's the technique. And what, is, what so many marketers are overlooking, and I blame the agencies as much as the advertisers, because we are supposed to be the specialists. We're supposed to be, to be uh, prescribing the, the Viagra and Cialis for advertising mm-hmm. because their advertising is so limp. Uh-oh, he, that was good. I like that. I like that. We're doing it the wrong way. Where's my symbol when I need it? Okay, we are leaning on cliches instead of recognizing where we are and who our targets are. And, yeah, certainly the TV marketplace can aim itself at the 18 to 34. Here are two weak networks, WB and whoever the other one is, they're, they're, they're merging. And the, and the announcement is they're going to specialize in the 18 to 34 marketplace. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, because that opens up other marketplaces for people who want to advertise to people outside that individual demographic. But well, you when know, you're re- going to advertise to a specific group, for heaven's sake, match the market, the marketing to the market. That's one thing you mentioned, too, as well. Uh, write for the people you're trying to reach. Send your mailing from an important executive or department in your company. Do it oversized. And, you know, Brad, you, you and I have talked about that before, and you've actually done that as well. Bigger pieces stand out in the mail. Load your first line with reasons to continue reading. That's an old uh, uh, tried-and-true thing. Avoid uh-huh. boredom. What a concept there. And give them a means by which they can respond. <laughs> Hence the uh, some of the things that have ended up on the uh, on the advertising part of this show. I, mean, I think uh, Ray just auditioned for your audio book there, it Herschel. Has, I think <laughs> he's singing my songs. <laughs> yes, he I sure is. La, la, la. Yes, well, I am. One of my books is called Open Me Now about envelopes. And in doing the background on that book, some of the things that became obvious are, first of all, that the mechanical can be as valuable as the creative. I know that's a bitter blow to people who who want the, the great unwashed public to say, gee, what a genius that creative team is. <laughs> hey, Herschel, we've got to take a break here. Lots more to talk about, too. Good thing we've got Herschel for a couple more segments here on the Advertising Show. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update says the O and the book club may not stand for Oprah. It could be Osama. An unexpected endorsement from al-Qaeda leader Osama bin Laden has resulted in a huge jump in sales for a book by a critic of U.S. foreign policy. William Blum's Rogue State, a guide to the world's only superpower, was ranked a measly 209,000 on Amazon.com's sales list before bin Laden mentioned it in an audio tape last week. The book shot up to number 30 on the list. Bin Laden said al-Qaeda group was preparing more attacks in the U.S., but also told Americans it's useful for you to read the book The Rogue State. I was quite surprised and even shocked and amused when I found out what he had said, Blum replied. If he shares with me a deep dislike for the certain aspects of U.S. foreign policy, then I'm not going to spurn any endorsement of the book by him. I think it's good that he shares those views, and I'm not turned off by that, quote, unquote. And that, my friends, is the wacky world 
of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Nobody can call George Whipple an old fuddy-duddy. This new sign is right up with the times. Maybe this will stop the ladies from squeezing Charmin bathroom tissue. Please don't squeeze the Charmin, indeed. As if that could make me resist Charmin's cushiony, soft texture. And Brad, George Whipple is now squeezing the Charmin in heaven, you see. Yeah. We recently lost George. <laughs> On the advertising show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and uh, we've got uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis. And need I say more than asinine advertising? That's the book. Welcome back to the show, Herschel. Thank you. Thank you. I think we'll... During this program, have some more people using Charmin tissue. Well, <laughs> hope so, or hope not. <laughs> Only you know, and commercials. Herschel came up through the creative end. You can tell he's he's a wordsmith, and you give him a few minutes to think about it, and he's he's really good. I like the uh, Lavlimp comment with regard to uh, Viagra last segment. Let's jump right into some of your. Uh, book uh, material here because I think a lot uh, is needed to be shared with our audience and it'll encourage them to go out and buy several copies and when they do you can send Ray and I a check. In your book uh, you're quoted as saying, Herschel, greed and desperation can make many marketers alienate their best targets. Now you know, I would hope that a marketer can keep his uh, or her focus on what the client, what needs to be done for their client, and not go over the top and get too greedy or too desperate. Share with us what you mean by this. Well, there are a couple of points I might make to you, and it applies to all media. And that is that a lot of people in our business cover up an imaginative sterility with a bunch of mechanical tricks. I've had, in fact, the suggestion made to me, why don't we print this in six colors? And I said, what are the other two colors? We'll have a second black. And I thought it was a joke, but it wasn't a joke at all. Mechanically, yes. I found that a number 11 envelope, for example, in the mail quite regularly will outpull a number 10, the standard size. I found that orange envelopes will outpull white envelopes. But you can't draw a total conclusion based on that. Right. What happens is often that, as is true, for example, if you walk into a schlocky shoe store, the salesman gets an extra percentage for selling shoes that don't sell well. So those are the ones he pitches. In terms of advertising, what we often will do is have media departments that will make recommendations thoroughly outside logic because those are the people who take them to lunch or buy them a drink or who knows what. (laughs) That's what I'm referring to. I also point out that since we are no longer in a non-competitive circumstance for anything. Everything is competitive. Fundraising is brutally competitive. We had better pay attention to those areas that cause motivation. Now, greed, from the viewpoint of consumer, is a primary motivator. We recognize in this age of skepticism, and we are up to our eyeballs in skepticism, we recognize Five great motivators. Fear, exclusivity, greed, guilt, need for approval. And whenever we start to test a campaign using the motivators, greed will outpull the other four. 
which is a rather sad commentary on our culture or lack thereof. But that's on the consumer level. When I deal with people in, in any of the service industries and sense that what they're trying to do is to in, improve their position rather than that of the people whom we're trying to sell, I yell foul and I get out. <laughs> you know, you mentioned uh, jaded consumers. Uh, do you think today, uh, you, you mentioned in your book about David Ogilvy and how he printed a list of words many years ago that, in his opinion, brought uh, direct response, and I understand that free was at the top of the list. Do you it think was, consumers yeah. today, uh, you think free is still relevant to consumers today? Relevant is a difficult word. I would call it relevant but weak. We have done our best to kill that word. We have kicked it around. We've stomped on it with golf shoes. We have <laughs> brutalized it. The, the email has made free almost a joke. But the word free, of course, still has power, just as words like young still have power when you're dealing with, with seniors. That the power is not what it once was is simply indicative of the times in which we live, just as the image of politicians doesn't have the, the power that it once had. Nobody respects anything. That's all part of the age of skepticism. People are surprised when a product performs it's been advertised to perform. People are surprised when something we advertise as free really is free. People are surprised when a not-for-profit organization actually filters some money down to the people it's supposed to help. They are skeptical. Sure and they are. many of us in this business feed that skepticism by going on and on, and we send out these emails that say free and there's an asterisk. Free. I have a personal rule that I'd like to superimpose on the entire industry. When should you use an asterisk in an advertising message? Should never, never, right. never, never, right. never. And you know, I really the difference between advertising and marketing. And smart agencies are now calling themselves marketing agencies rather than advertising agencies, recognizing that huge gulf that exists between just word use and actual convince the, the art of convincing people to perform a positive act. You know, and it's that's interesting. Why you... for the 21st century, we have a new set of rules. For example, hmm. increasing informality. We write the way people talk. Right. So it's not I am, it's I apostrophe am. Mm -hmm. And in communication, we've learned te by test after test that first person singular will outpull first person plural. Hey, her I outpulls we. Herschel, we're going to have to take a break again here. It's a shame I'm Herschel is at a loss of, <laughs> for words here. And I, my question is, has anybody ever really trusted a politician? And, uh, and we'll have our next free segment coming up here in just a free yeah. fru, fru moment. So. Okay, posthumously, we trust Washington and Lincoln. Okay, kind of. Okay. <laughs> okay. Back in just a moment with more on the advertising show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America is asking you to call. Drive your Chevrolet through the USA. America's the greatest land of all. On a it's a classic spot for a great product, and all we're missing is the apple pie. Uh, Dinosaur for Chevrolet. And Burt Reynolds. 
Well, no, Bird wasn't around then. He was in diapers, actually. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, although, <laughs> and, and being in diapers when you're a teenager is not a good thing. The uh, Herschel Gordon uh, Lewis interview, we'll continue with him next hour. It's it's a shame the man is not more well-spoken, eloquent, uh, in, in the know. And, and fired uh, up. And fired up, yeah. Or, as he says, passionate about what he does. So, yeah. Hey, earlier this hour we talked about McDonald's is having a problem with the Olympics. And it's actually, McDonald's doesn't have any problems with them. Uh, the uh, Louis Lazar guy does. But this is interesting, too. And we mentioned, um, what's her name? Mary Dillon's name? Mm-hmm. In 03, McDonald's announced that all of its restaurants, 30,000, 100 countries, that's a lot, would soon be adopting the same brand packaging for menu items, uh, according to a company press release, new packaging featuring photographs of real people doing real things they enjoy. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Listening to music, playing soccer, reading to their kids. McDonald's global chief marketing officer was quoted as saying, it's the first time in our history that a single set of brand packaging with a single brand message will be used concurrently and around the world. And then you fast forward to 2005. The company appears to backpedal when it announces plans to localize nutritional value charts on its packages. How can you possibly think that, you know, you can have a brand, but how can you possibly believe that you would have the same message to various groups? Uh, you know, we, we look at Hispanic Around the advertising. World. Yes. Yeah, you right. can't even translate Hispanic ad- advertising out of English advertising. So how could McDonald's think that they could do that? I don't know. I, what struck me as funny as you described that, Ray, is, uh, you know, if on these packages they're going to have lifestyle uh, visuals there, you say people doing everyday things, right? Right. Well, it's going to remind you as you look down at your burger sitting in your fast food restaurant, I could be somewhere else doing that, you know, whatever that is on the package. Sure. But I agree with you. Uh, you know, how in the world can you, first of all, do you really want to be sitting in Beijing and see some, you know, kid uh, playing ice hockey in Canada. I mean, I don't know what these visuals are going to be, but they do seem to be a bit far-reaching to think you can connect with a worldwide consumer with all these various uh, visuals that you're talking about Absolutely. and doing it in a meaningful way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, we haven't had a lot good to say for the last few years about the newspaper industry in, in general, uh, but i got to tell you, the, the Wisconsin State Journal out of Madison has really got a cool idea here. They started conducting a daily poll on their website and asking readers to choose which story they want to see on the front page each day between 11 and 4, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. The website offers four to five story choices among local, national, and international news, and the story uh, with the most votes will appear on the front page unless there's a breaking news uh, item. Recently, the two-story choices for uh, visitor traffic at their website was the impact of Ford's job layoffs and the uh, Food and Drug Administration's approval of a new over-the-counter diet pill. Ford won, but what a great idea to uh, take a dying medium like newspaper and getting the online uh, activity and interest that you have through your website and bringing it back to your traditional uh, traditional publication, your traditional channel, I should right, say, exactly. uh, through the newspaper. I thought it was a great idea, and leave it to somebody in Madison, Wisconsin, to come up with the idea. Yeah, but Madison is huge in terms of creative. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that whole area, maybe it's in the water. That's it's what a, it is. That's a great idea, and I think it's, uh, you know, it, it, why some large uh, major daily 
did not come up with that idea first, but what, I think it's a great idea, and I'd be interested in learning if uh, we can find out later what kind of uh, traffic they get to their website and what kind of uh, uh, interest they have on a local level for people that read the newspaper versus only read the online version. I mean, sure, it's exactly. Working for them, yeah. And, and the newspapers that aren't doing something like that haven't caught on yet. We'll be finding other. Uses for their Heidelberg presses. <laughs> well, either that or they'll follow the suit of this, this, uh, uh, what is it, so I can plug them again here, the uh, Wisconsin State Journal. They'll uh, follow their lead, and you might find a year or two down the road, many of them doing this. It's a good idea. Absolutely. Well, uh, United Airlines coming back, that's a good thing, isn't it? I, I, I like United Airlines. Sure. Uh, expected finally to come out of the bankruptcy during the uh, protracted ordeal, the carrier slashed cost reinvented itself as a streamlined operation. Uh, with both a competitive cost structure and an attractive global route system, I, they, they've got the brand. I mean, it's a great airline. Sure, it but is. but they uh, what they did. Uh, the, have you seen the uh, the one commercial? It's called Meeting. Uh, there was also one for Idea uh, that this lady had a little light bulb above her head. I have not seen either. There's no VO. It's all great music. It's so huh. well done. And uh, if they can only now, what United has to do is figure out a way to carry that all the way through the brand and, and create a great experience when you fly United Airlines. So we'll slap see. some, put some rears in the seats, as they say. Exactly. And offer them not one, but two bags of peanuts. Thank you. <laughs> okay. We've got uh, a break to take here, but in just a minute, we'll be back and we've got an advertising showcase coming your way. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe on the Advertising Show. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. Good morning. Are oh, you not my daisies? Right, Mother Nature. They're Chiffon's new daisy servers. Taste. Well, there's Mother Nature oh, along with the guy that used to do the, uh, the Smucker's ads as well, Mason Adams on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. And uh, we, if you enjoyed what Herschel Gordon Lewis had to say this past hour, you want to stay with us uh, next hour as well. Uh, the book is called Asinine Advertising, and we'll have uh, Herschel back with us next hour. What we do, except I've got to get this ready again. Hold on just a minute, Brad. Are you still there? I am here. This is a good thing. Reach uh, over there and push that button. <laughs> we need to do that, don't we? Every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. And sometimes go for a streak, you know, a little bit longer, bad. But uh, we found <laughs> something that is good. You're holding a newspaper in your hand. Let's see what yes, you got I am. here. And now it's time for the Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising. For the good stuff, here's Ray and Brad. I see something there, but what do you have? Uh, well, it's a newspaper, and, you know, after slamming newspaper as we typically do, and not slam it, but we certainly bring to the attention of the dying audience and the dying market that newspaper has, we're going to use the newspaper as a good example of a of an ad that uh, I think does an outstanding job here, Ray. And next hour, I'd like to talk to uh, Herschel about the word free. I'm, I'm questioning whether people, uh, generally consumers, do respond to free today with the uh, uh, typical uh, jaded consumer being, I guess, oversold a lot on the word free. But here's an example mm -hmm. of using the word free, I think, in a very effective way, and I think it really works. It's a it's an ad that is by Time Warner. Well, it's Roadrunner. It's uh, Time Warner's uh, high-speed Internet service. And basically, uh, you have an ad that's a full uh, length of the of the uh, paper vertically, which is called a full by two-column by full 
uh, we say in the business, which in other words just means an entire strip that goes from top to bottom along the outside edge of the page. And what we have is we have four headlines that are going vertical, stacked on top of one another, and each headline says the same thing, free, 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 free. And underneath each headline, it says free, and then underneath, first month of service, the second free says installation. The third free says HBO and HBO on demand. The fourth free says security suite, antivirus, spy, uh, spyware, sp- spam blocker. And then we have the typical uh, Roadrunner uh, little, uh, what do you call that? that uh, you know, that cartoon character. Yeah, the, the Roadrunner road, guy. Yeah, yeah Roadrunner. There you go. We've got the Roadrunner uh, cartoon character visual there at the bottom and then the phone number. And it's that simple. So I think, you know, here's an example of of uh, a very simple ad that offers free first month service, free installation, free HBO and free security suite with the uh, Roadrunner service and I got to believe that uh, you're going to you're going to react to this because uh, sure, you know yeah. who who wants uh, who doesn't want something free but here's an example of I think free in a meaningful way it it says what it is in terms of the offer uh, underneath the word free in each particular case it takes advantage of the repetitive uh, repetitiveness of, of the words free, vertically stacked on top of one another. It's an ad that has a lot of white space, nice thick border around it. And when you turn the page, it really gets your attention. So if you're looking for, you know, high-speed Internet uh, and everybody wants something free, it gives you four different ways of understanding uh, how you can get uh, free in this particular case. And this is an out of... Uh, out-of-state uh, newspaper race, so it's not in our home market of Houston, and it's an offering that I think ties in with uh, HBO because it says Roadrunner High Speed Online. Probably. Right. And I say the HBO On Demand, which I guess maybe has a tie-in with uh, also the uh, the uh, cable product. But sure. in any event, it's a great idea, Ray, and I think it's a good way to use the word free where most consumers, I think, are a bit... Uh, a bit over the word free, and they don't believe the word free. No, they're and cautious and jaded because usually what happens in a free thing is, okay, when am I going to have hook. to pay? When yeah. am I going to have to? You can't give this to me free all the time. Right, right. Where's well, the fine print? Although you look at Google and uh, how long how long have they been charging for their service? And the answer is never. Right. You know, you see some ads and so on and so forth, and that's where they make the money. Well, and you know what's interesting is Google, years ago, I used Google, gosh, uh, four or five years ago. They were the ones that had a nice, clean interface there, no ads at all, on the front of the uh, homepage. Right. And, and other, cons- uh, other competitors and others in the Internet space thought Google was crazy. They thought they were out of their mind that they were not using any banner ads or any of the other ways of connecting with consumers on homepages, and they had a better, they had a better idea, they had a bigger idea. And it was all about search, uh, search sponsorship and search result type Absolutely. advertising. And, and so there's a good example of going uh, against, the, against the trend, going against uh, what everybody else thought was the right way to do Internet advertising several years ago. And guess what? Now banner ads aren't such a big deal after all. Oh, huh? they really aren't. And there's some other guys looking for the web, too, as well. Apparently... A uh, number of Super Bowl advertisers are looking to get some uh, a bounce from the web uh, maximizing effect. 2.5 million spots, uh, dollar spots. Uh, I'd, I'd see if I could shop them around and play them elsewhere as well. Directing <laughs> viewers to allied web content, including director's cuts of the commercials. What a great idea. Don't, don't people idea. love to see uh, behind-the-scenes kind of things? Diamond food, inks, emerald nuts, Unilever's degree men's deodorant are among the uh, Super Bowl advertisers planning on more online tie-ins in their commercials. And I'm sure uh, this article goes on. It's from USA Today. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a bunch more as well. 
You know, it wasn't so long ago that uh, a lot of dot com companies were on the uh, uh, businesses were on the were on the uh, Super Bowl, and they died a slow death or not really a pretty fast death actually. And uh, here they're finally understanding that maybe to redirect uh, redirect that huge number mm-hmm. of viewers that are watching the Super Bowl to a uh, internet connection at a later time, not during the Super Bowl. They're not going to they're not going to go to the internet connection then, but I guess some will. But the bigger idea is to be able to uh, send that send that consumer and an easy to remember URL to uh, an internet connection and tie in creatively mm-hmm. what your message is uh, extended through the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, on back to the internet. Great thinking, I think. I think so too. I'm reading here along the along the way. Uh, career builder, online help wanted ad company. We know who that is. Jointly owned by uh, Gannett and Knight Ritter and the uh, Tribune Company. Uh, let's see, they're doing some stuff. Uh, who else do we have? Um, what is it? Unilever Dove Soap campaign for real beauty. Uh, that's cool. Toyota Motor. A warm-hearted uh, spot featuring a Hispanic father and son who switch easily between Spanish and English. How about that, huh? That's a good idea. We're catching on as well. Herschel Gordon Walker will just choose one of his names next hour, and Herschel <laughs> will be back with us for Asinine Advertising. And it ought to be a lot of fun, too. The guy's really in the know and has a lot of good things to say as well. We have uh, much more to come in hour number two as well, including Patrick Meyer, Jeffrey Gittimer, Andy Borowitz, and more. Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at age.com. Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. Starting off our number two with a bang. Oh, wait, we can't do that. Fireworks are illegal in the building. It says right on the front door. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe back for our number two. We've got uh, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The advertising show, a big radio midgets production. Being so, we have a gentleman who has three names, Herschel Gordon Lewis, and he's with us again this hour. How stupid and unethical advertising costs you money. Well, how about that? Asinine Advertising is the book, and we've got Herschel with us for a couple of segments this hour. Just a few moments away from Patrick Meyer. Talking about Rosa Parks and Apple. We'll see what the connectivity is there. Hmm. Jeffrey Gittimer, winners or winners? What are you? Hopefully you're a winner. Andy Borowitz, too, and a whole bunch more. So here we and, are. You know, if you want to steal uh, Herschel's identity, you've got all three names there. You can not confuse him with any other uh, Herschel Lewis's that might be, you know, Herschel David Lewis or Herschel, Herschel James Lewis. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, yeah, you got Herschel Gordon Lewis. You got everything, but it's a social security number. I'm going to start. Uh, why don't we go by our full names, too, this hour? Ray William Shillins. Arthur. 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 Ooh. No wonder Arthur. you drink so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, listen, uh, we mentioned Time Warner uh, last segment on the uh, Advertiser Showcase uh, with the Roadrunner uh, newspaper ad that we featured. I don't know if you heard about this. No surprise once you do, though, I'm sure, Ray. Donald Trump filed a lawsuit against New York Times reporter Timothy O'Brien as well as Time Warner publishing unit Warner Books seeking $5 billion 
$5 billion in damages related to an October 2005 release of the book about Trump. Apparently, the lawsuit uh, is seeking $2.5 billion in compensatory as well as uh, $2.5 billion in punitive damages. Uh, apparently, Trump alleges that the O'Brien book, Trump Nation, The Art of Being Donald, I love the title, yeah. uh, defamed Trump by knowingly making egregious, egregiously, yeah, egregiously uh, false and malicious statements about Trump, his family, his personal life, and his business dealings. Apparently, the lawsuit also alleges that defamatory statements were made in an article published by the New York Times concerning O'Brien's book. So he's going to sue both mm. the Times, O'Brien, as well as Warner Books, and he's looking for some dough there. And it's a you know it's a big ego deal here for. Uh, for Donald, I don't know. I, you know, there's a, always been a thing with regard to slander and all of that, right. that if you're a public figure, you have to hold yourself up to any and all ridicule by anyone that wants to say anything. That's why I suppose. Uh, that's why the president and various other political figures can be uh, uh, defamed and, and talked about in a, in a false and misleading way, and they can't do anything about it. Now, is Donald Trump considered a public figure? Uh, I'll leave that for the courts to figure out. But, you know, this guy, he already has enough money. He doesn't have to worry about He doesn't uh, need $5 billion bucks more, but I would like well, to apply to be his lawyer. Yeah, well, they yeah. should mention in here that if he wins the uh, 2.5 and the 2.5, you're right, that's $5 billion, that he's going to donate it to a you know, animal shelter or something. Oh, he did, <laughs> he did say that? No, not? I'm making that up as oh. his PR guy. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, he probably will. Who knows? Less yeah, well, the if, lawyer's if, commission. If he does, I think you and I might want to check into that dog uh, dog pound, huh? It's going to be one heck of a dog pound, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's see. It'll be called Trump Pound. Plaza. Plaza. Oh, Plaza. <laughs> yeah. There Trump Pound. Yeah. And before we say anything else, Mr. Trump, uh, <laughs> let's take a yeah, break here. Let's right. check in with uh, with uh, Patrick Meyer, who might say something about Donald Trump. I don't know. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Did you see what Apple did recently? It was a small thing, but it was so significant and such a reflection of their whole essence, their positioning. On the day that it was announced that Rosa Parks had passed away, the company ran a very simple front page to salute her on the Apple website. They didn't run media and make a big deal of it. They just respected her and acknowledged her for what she had done for the country in reducing and eliminating segregation. That's topicality. They had to move on that incredibly quick. Probably within four to six hours, they put the whole thing together. Let me give you another example of topicality. The Pope, now deceased, drove a Volkswagen Jetta. As they were moving to the new Pope, it was acknowledged that the Pope's Jetta was going to be up for auction. It went for $250,000. The Volkswagen marketing team jumped on that and ran an ad that said, The new VW Jetta, non-papal edition, $150,000 or $200,000 less. How many brands get topicality? Uh, my friends, I think it's very few. Most companies develop a 12-month marketing plan that's so rigid, so tight, same with the media plan, that it's really difficult to move funds back and forth. So how do you take your marketing and your advertising efforts and gear them for topicality? Number one, you need a champion of topicality, someone who eats, lives, and breathes your brand and connecting it to the cultural dynamics of what's going on around us. Second, you need to take your positioning filter and run things that are going on topically right through it and look for those opportunities maybe one two three four per year but you need to have a champion who's looking at that constantly 
Number three, you need to gear your agencies for topicality marketing. You need to brief them. Everybody's got to be looking for what those opportunities are, what the criteria is, and also have resources in place so you can rapidly turn around. And lastly, you need to set your management up for topicality as well. Agree to certain procedures so you can quickly get to whoever approves your advertising or your marketing, and you can get to the marketplace quick. So be like Apple, be like Volkswagen, and think about topicality and how to connect it to your brand, to your business. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. That's some good stuff, too. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, Patrick always is on the right track with uh, with marketing advice. Happy to have him as part of the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. About to get back in conversation with Herschel Gordon-Lewis. The uh, Asinine Advertising is the name of the book, and it's got a lot of good stuff in it as well. HerschelGordonLewis.com is his website. You should know how to spell that. Right. We have uh, This is interesting, Brad. Listen to this. Speaking of radio and stuff and trying mm-hmm. to, trying to um, kind of battle uh, satellite radio, uh, Howard Stern debuting on Sirius, bringing publicly uh, publicity to satellite radio. Traditional radio station owners like Greater Media and Clear Channel uh, said this past week they're launching new programs in Greater Boston that will take advantage of digital signals that let them broadcast more than one show on the same frequency. And I can hear account executives now going, wow, wow, we can actually sell stuff in the left channel and the right channel, different <laughs> stuff. Greater Media WBOS airs uh, such artists as Springsteen on 92.9 will allow the handful of consumers who own high-def or HD radios, mm-hmm. I didn't even know those existed, to tune into a second station on that frequency to hear Coffee House, an acoustic channel, that sounds good, featuring uh, singer-songwriters. Coffee House commercial-free when it debuts next month, commercial-free, and uh, probably they'll start charging for it later, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. well, I mean, the number of listeners, the, as you say, Ray, I mean, that's a new that's a new thing that's just, come, it's just coming out, and mm-hmm. the big deal is to get the uh, car manufacturers to begin to, uh, you know, install this in in vehicles that are automatic, you know, that are produced without having to buy it as a feature. Yeah, and we'll see where it goes. But you know, you mentioned Howard Stern real quickly. Executives at Sirius, uh, apparently Stern's new home, of course, are putting together a standards and practice policy for DJs of the satellite provider in anticipation of the FCC uh, being Thank able to kind of make a preemptory move. Yeah, to say, hey, we've already got our own standards. We don't need you guys. And by the way, the, the interesting HD radios are about four ninety nine right now. Wow. And the Boston Acoustics has one, so go get one. There. <laughs> Back in just a minute, we've got um, Herschel Gordon-Lewis and a whole bunch more on The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I'm Chiquita Banana and I've come to say Bananas have to ripen in a certain way And when they're flecked with brown and have a golden hue Bananas taste the best and are the best for you On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, our special guest is uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, author of... uh, of a, a new book called Asinine Advertising. And I love this, Brad. Uh, here in the Houston market, 
uh, our home market. Uh, Arnold Palmer is now a celebrity endorser for a company called Administaff. I don't quite get hmm. that. That's okay. Yeah. But but we, he talks about that. Uh, he says, you know, speaking of celebrities, whatever happened to Arnold Palmer? Well, he's in Houston. <laughs> doing a, doing Welcome back to the show. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I think that uh, speaks, Ray, to what we speak a lot about here in the advertising show, which is relevance of spokesperson to product. And I think Arnold yeah, Palmer and his staff is disconnected there. You, last hour, if you were with us, Herschel, uh, you posed the question, how often or when uh, should you use an asterisk in an ad? And, of course, Ray and I both said never. I want to mention real quickly, it's rare that we talk about our own personal experience, but I've got to say it. I created an ad 20 years ago for a car dealer, multiple car dealer uh, chain in uh, our home market of Houston. And very large at the top of the ad was an asterisk in color, red. And the headline read, No Asterisk Sale. And it went on from there, as you can imagine what, what that was, which was positioning against. the bottom, Brian? No, it was positioning against all the asterisks in uh, car ads right. and that we didn't have it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So uh, a little lesson in, in uh, positioning, I suppose, and also the one exception to, to your rule, Herschel. Let's jump into uh, uh, what we were talking about a little bit last uh, hour with regard to what is believable and what is not. You know, we hear so much about... Uh, I don't know, what do you call it, frequent flyer, you know, and... and, and oh, loyalty uh, program? What yeah, a loyalty programs. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what you think, Herschel, but there are times that I believe that uh, they can work, and I say only on a first-time basis, but there comes a point in time where, as a business owner, you're going to have to ask yourself, are you giving away profits to cuts to your customers that could be returning whether they get a discount or not? That's one that testing and research will give you an answer to. For example, in Houston there, you've got Continental Airlines, which I fly all the time. I like their business first. Try get booking a frequent flyer seat on Continental Airlines. Hmm. This is a classic example of what I call customer elimination management. Now we had, I think I mentioned in this book, or in one of the other books, the, the Flaws in CRM. No, it was in the, the asinine book. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah. Customer relationship management. And relationship is, to these people is a one way street. And I point out, I believe, that if you go to a local restaurant that has a loyalty program, where if you get five dinners there, you get the sixth one free or something of that sort, they're thrilled to see you. Mm hmm. You try to cash in your frequent flyer miles. And I know <laughs> a great many people, especially business people who will fly the most convoluted routes in order mm -hmm. to pile up miles on a specific airline. And then when they try to use those miles, they're kicked in the head, <laughs> or they get tracked and trapped in an electronic loop with one of the great lies of our time. Your call is important to us. Yeah, right. Line, right. Or right. all our operators are helping other people, which means we only have one operator. Yeah, we don't care about break. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this... Uh, Backpedaling from the commitment is a regrettable development, which uh, I, uh, there should be some sort of a public uprising against it. If you say that, that loyalty programs are costing those who have them money, I would contest that, because what they're doing is holding people artificially in place, mm -hmm. which is simply smart marketing. What's not smart is establishing the program and then not implementing it properly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, from a personal uh, standpoint, and I don't consider myself necessarily typical of all consumers, but I find that I either go somewhere or I don't. I don't go more frequently or less frequently because I have a uh, a frequency discount earning uh, No, you have a reason to go there sort. is what you're suggesting. Yeah, I either go because the product or, or, or whatever I'm purchasing is, is of need at that moment and I'm wanting it, or I'm not. I'm never letting the card itself be the decision-making factor as to why I might return to that particular. But now, will I go ahead and have them stamp my card so I can get the tenth one free? Yeah, right. If I think about it, I will, but it's not I really a motivation. I always lose interest, do, do you guys clip coupons from the Sunday freestanding inserts, the lashes? No, and, and, and not that? really. No, it's already in the birdcage. <laughs> and Ray has a very big bird. Okay, yeah. you're the ones who keep that percentage down. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot exactly. of people do, and in a sense, that's a loyalty program. Yeah. Because people will buy a specific brand of cereal, not because they like that cereal, right. but because they get 25 cents off on it. Mm-hmm. Right. We in this industry are really not typical of the people we're trying to sell. And one of the great challenges that mm. anybody in the marketing business faces is trying to be a mirror to the society we're trying to convince to do something. Right. I agree. And there are so many marketers that do not stay connected to or, or feel that they uh, can't really get no. into the head they of the consumer. The road to success is to hire Tiger Woods for $40 million. Yeah, right. right. Well, we can go into that as well. Hey, what's your take on this, as long as we're talking about I automobiles? You've you got the wrong guy here. Okay. <laughs> well, what do you what do you think about the, uh, the employee pricing? Which, by the way, Brad, there is a new billboard up. One of the homemakers here in the Houston market is doing employee pricing. Believe it or not, isn't that for, stupid? For for what product? For buying a house. Oh, like, oh right. You I didn't be, know yeah. there was well, such see, a thing. Work, it did work for the the uh, car dealers in, in right. 2005. Right. I think the, it was impenetrable enough that people felt that it was a genuine discount. Right. I remember something with Chevrolet heads of you pay the sticker price and not one cent more. Right. And I said, somebody under IQ 70 wrote that one. Right. <laughs> but... Who are we to, to contest the decisions of people that decide in huge committees with some sort of an odd brainstorming session in which the brains are tuned down? Down here, there's a, a, a furniture company called Rooms to Go. And Rooms to Go has as its spokesperson now Cindy Crawford, the model. Okay. Instead of just having her play a, a, a role in which she sits around on the furniture, see, she sits on the furniture, and the claim is that she designed it. Right. The, the Cindy Crawford collection. Yeah, well, and here are couches and chairs and beds and dressers. But she, the same ones they've had, by the way. But she designed them. And I, 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 I think that's funny. And as a matter of personal protest, I won't set foot in that store. But many people may be. Who are, who are celebrity conscious, and a lot of people are celebrity hounds. Well, Brad was in that store, by the way. He was asked to leave by the management when he said he wanted Cindy Crawford with the couch, and they did not allow him to No, it was on the couch. It cost a quarter more. It was on the couch. I wanted to try it out. Oh, I see. And he spent some... for a financial organization. <laughs> really? Gotcha. He's, so, well, see, selling stockings? A, yeah, let's, let's just use celebrities, and that will be a substitute for a genuine selling idea. Right. A Paul McCartney. selling idea is giving people a reason to buy and then saying to them in, in positive language, here's what you're, what you're supposed to do. And that does not mean phrasing like, act 
now or see your Toyota dealer today. We have to act now, though. We've got some commercials to play, Herschel. We'll be back in just a minute with more of Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth and Herschel Gordon-Lewis on the Exercising Show. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Are you a winner or are you a whiner? I'm against whining because whiners sound like this. See, if you're a whiner, people are going to avoid you. Whiners are never listened to. Whiners are never respected. And in general, nobody wants to hang around with a whiner. Well, there's an exception. Other whiners, because misery loves company. In my first book, The Sales Bible, I put a quote in there that said, You can't be a winner if you're a whiner. Wiener. (laughs) At the time, I thought it was pretty funny. But over the years, I found out that not only is it funny, it's 100% accurate. Just think for a moment about what you say when something doesn't go your way, or rather, the way you say it. Think for a moment about how you react when you lose a big sale. If any of those reactions or responses contain whining, cut it out, or you'll become a wiener. Whiner. You see, the object of this game is for you to become a winner. Winners don't whine. Winners celebrate. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. What do you mean you can't return the car, sir? Was it stolen? Uh, no, no, sir. You had an accident, right? Well, I kind of, no, no, I did it on purpose. What did you do, sir? Well, you remember when I came in to rent the car and yeah. I insisted... On the advertising I, I show, it's Rachel Lunds and Brad Forsyth. We're not going to play the whole spot, but that's a great spot from Chuck Bloor. And uh, it's uh, back for one more segment here with Herschel Gordon-Lewis. Uh, the uh, book is called Asinine Advertising and Marketing and also has Marketing Mayhem as, as one of the other books. Brad, do you have that one or no? No, I don't have it handy. You don't have Marketing have Mayhem? No. No. Oh, dear. Okay. I told the publisher to send it to you. Fire your publisher. Oh, too late. <laughs> anyway, hey, uh, that's uh, okay. We'll, we'll get that, and we'll mention on the air once we have a chance to read it, Herschel. Uh, give you, give our listeners a chance to get a little feedback on that. Uh, yeah, let's jump back in this since this will be our last segment with you, Herschel. Uh, you know, it's it's no it's no secret. Consumers today receive literally what ten five thousand. Whatever estimate, who's going to even verify this anyway? But somewhere between five and ten thousand ad messages every day. If you pick up a number, Brad, that's good. Yeah, I mean, no, you doesn't have to make it up. Okay. Years yeah. ago, BBDNO, which was then the uh, the bellwether, and that's before we had any of these media. They claimed it was fifteen hundred. Now it's, it's got to be at least eight ten thousand a day. Yeah, I Many think of so. Which are subliminal. 
Well, yeah, and when you think about it and you think ad messages, there's so many visual uh, cues that you're getting throughout just driving your car and, and walking around and uh, and so on and so forth. But my question to you is, and, and I'd like to kind of bring this on into helping our audience understand uh, particular word usage as well, but, you know, with, with such the high level of, of exposure that most consumers are uh, on a daily basis exposed to from uh, ad messages to slogans and ads and so forth, as well as branding messages. Do you think in 2006 uh, it's more difficult to cut through the clutter and reach a consumer today than it was, say, 10, 15 years ago? Absolutely. We're, we're, we're swamped with messages that didn't even exist 10 to 15 years ago. You said to some, somebody in the year 1995, how much time are you spending online? Right. They say, what are you talking about? Yeah. Today, it eats into all other media. And you go online and all over the place, whether you're looking at email or visiting a website or being tossed around from place to place, it, it just builds and builds your negative reaction to cliches. So to cut through the clutter is a combination of word choice and visuals that excite rather than insult or say other people say, oh, I've seen all this before. You look at some of the mailings, for example, from, from some of the, the credit card companies, and they are all the same. There is mm-hmm. no image at all cast right. by any of them. It's all about uh, APR, uh, some kind of percentage of uh, interest rate, right? Yeah. And, and as a matter of fact, some 60-some percent of the people have no idea what APR stands for. Mm-hmm. And yet we keep using these acronyms blindly because others use them, and we we're set. We are trapped in our own experiential background, where we should be inside our recipient's artificial background. And here's a schlock clothing store advertising trousers. No, they're pants. Remember <laughs> where you are. Notice the difference between what used to be Neiman Marcus and Walmart. And you, you will begin to wreck to to reach the people you're trying to reach. In the book, uh, he does a lot of good things about what words mean, what phrases mean, Brad. And uh, thumbs up, middle finger is broken, <laughs> found objects, other people's junk, not sold in stores, no store wants it, <laughs> new and improved. I like that one. Prior version didn't work. Love it, love it, love it. Sending the wrong message, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it, but it, you see, it, when you get away from the satirical aspect, the difference, for example, between can and will, mm-hmm. the difference between if and when, just little word choices can wreak a profound difference in response. But too many people who are getting paid to generate response don't even know this. And if they, if they were exposed to it, they say, oh, well, so what? There's you know, one. There, there's one phrase. That's an advertising. There you go. There's one phrase in, in a conversation that always bothers me. Is let me be honest with you. Oh my gosh. That's like I've been lying to you the whole oh, time. Oh, oh. Let me be honest. Oh gosh. That yeah. You've yeah. You know. With and, that one. Let me be sincere with you for a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the same problem. No. Uh, you know, asinine uh, advertising. The book by our guest today, Herschel Lewis. I got to tell you, if you are a uh, advertiser or Frankly, an ad agency, there are many good examples of what to do and how to do it well, and it all comes from your uh, wealth of experience. I'm curious, Herschel, years ago, did you guys test uh, 
test uh, headlines and various other elements in direct mail as they have come to do today and test to make sure that what works better and then Constantly. have all... That's yeah, still I would imagine you I'll did. give you a yes. quick example before you kick me off the air. Please. Subject line for email. Which of these will pull better? Uh, you're going to like this, comma, John, or John, <laughs> comma, you're going to like this. I'd Same the number one. of characters. There's no difference at all except the positioning of the name. I would so say the second one. Test. Yes. In the actual test, which I can't, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I can't disclose what the product was. The ending with the name pulled nineteen percent better. Wow! That's big numbers because that email went out to over four hundred thousand people. But the cream of the jest was that the person who headed that company did not believe his own results. We have to. Uh, we have to believe it or not. Wrap up this uh, segment. Go to HerschelGordonLewis.com. Go buy the book, Asinine Advertising. It's good stuff. Uh, Herschel, it's been fun having you on the advertising Thank you show. for having me, Ray and Brad. I had a very good time. Now, you can go Our back buddy. out by the pool now if you'd like now, okay? You're all done. I'll go down myself. <laughs> there you go. Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth back with a bunch more on the advertising show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Last night, Billy didn't skate once with me, but this should get us together. $40. Great. Now, how about close-up? Well, that's toothpaste. Maybe I'll get pom-poms my roller skates. Can't put your money where your mouth is. Whiter teeth and fresh breath will get Billy back. Looks like mouthwash. There is mouthwash in it. For your breath. Does it whiten your teeth? It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Thanks so much for uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis taking some time out of his weekend on Fort Lauderdale uh, to join us here on the Advertising Show. Go get the book, Asinine Advertising. Go to HerschelGordonLewis.com, or you can probably find it at your favorite bookstore as well. Earlier this hour, you were talking about Stern, mm-hmm. right? And right. uh, you, you, I see you found something there. Yeah, I did, and I, I thought this was really weird because you mentioned the Boston. Uh, you, you yourself mentioned the the Boston uh, company that was coming out with Boston HD radio station, right? Exactly, and uh, apparently Sirius uh, and Stern's production company, One Twelve Inc fired off a uh, cease and desist letter, Ray, at, at, at one website which was rebroadcasting the radio shows uh, of Howard Stern, and they were billing it as the show, as an audio stream. The letter, which was emailed to the administrators of hearhoward.org and their other website, hearhoward100.com, called the online broadcast blatant and willful infringements and threatened lawsuits unless the audio streams were immediately removed. A serious spokesperson called the audio streams uh, online piracy and said that the company would do whatever it took to enforce their copyright. So apparently some website decided to uh, just take the uh, satellite uh, uh, audio stream, capture it, refeed it live through their website. And I also happened to have visited the site just to see what it was about after reading the story. And they had several archives uh, on the site as well for, for past programs. So, I mean, gosh, you got to be protecting your uh, your copyright and your intellectual property in this particular case. And uh, I can't believe a website thought that they could, you know, steal that out of the air like that and just put it on a website and that nobody would care. 
Well, don't think it won't happen again, though, too, because people have the capabilities of doing that, right? Right, but it's going to be a cease and desist, and, you know, I guess guess you can, uh, if all it's going to be is a cease and desist, then maybe others will do it and only get a hand slapping and go on about their business thinking they can stay under the headlights for a while. But uh, I don't know. I thought this was kind of weird, and... uh, uh, herehoward.org if you want to go see what their we- website looks like now, which is not much. <laughs> kind of simple, huh? Yeah, it is. Hey, th- uh, we, we've been talking about the Super Bowl, and I think this is really interesting, and I don't know why they've done this, but I guess we'll hmm. find out. Cadillac is dropping the Led Zeppelin for the Super Bowl ad. They're hmm. dropping it. Uh, they're put, uh, putting its uh, breakthrough campaign uh, on hold, I guess, uh, to reintroduce, or to introduce, I should say, the 2007 Escalade Sport Utility. The GM Luxury brand will run a 60-second spot in the third quarter. Now, that's interesting. I didn't know mm-hmm. they were running 60s. That must have cost them $5 million or more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, they will not use the, uh, the, uh, the Led Zeppelin rock and roll riff. Uh, he added Super Bowl spots go off the uh, playbook all the time. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I think well, it's I'm, kind of sending I'm, a signal. I'm like you, Ray. I, I think that you can do that riff, uh, that Led Zeppelin riff, and most consumers would say, "That's the uh, that's the Cadillac." That's a Cadillac uh, thing, right? Yeah, right. They closely associated music with the brand, and my goodness, they're going another direction. I'm well, all for keeping the uh, message fresh, but uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, what was it? We had uh, we had the uh, Chrysler Jeep uh, gentleman, Jeff Jeff Bell, uh, vice president. Right for uh, a, a Chrysler Jeep, Jeep group, I should say, and, uh, you know, hit it! You know, we know. That's so well associated with it, right? Oh, exactly. Uh, it'd yeah. be like them throwing that away. So I don't well, know. Here's I, what they're throwing it away for, though, okay? they For this spot, they rented a former airplane hangar in L.A. to create a fashion show complete with a 100-foot mirrored runway and hired supermodels like Rachel Hunter along with makeup artist uh, Kabuki and 250 extras. Uh, this is the uh, creative out of Leo Burnett in uh, Detroit. Mm. I saw her Kabuki one evening, and I didn't really care for it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, uh, it's the day of the supermodel is over. I mean, I don't know what in the world is going on there with uh, trying to feature supermodels as if that's some kind of you know thing that consumers think high regard of today. I don't well, think so. Here's the here's the key. Escalade's current buyer base is sixty percent male. <laughs> well, so you know they think that they put uh, they put uh, what's her name Rachel Hunter in there that uh, yeah. they'll do something and, and, and the make, Kabuki girl the Kabuki girl yeah mm-hmm. I'll have the Kabuki with the wasabi <laughs> and a side of uh, thighs uh, side of thighs no it's not. <laughs> what's that, what's that can drink you say that, you that? Have? yeah you can uh, say that the, oh the, the, what the, the uh, what's what? a, what drink? No, the Japanese drink. You get oh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's the rice wine. Uh, what is it called? It's uh, Qingtao. Yeah, Something you and I like had that. too much. That's what. That's exactly right. Or not enough, possibly. We're not sure. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. And, nope, we're not done yet. We'll be back with more in uh, just Saki. a moment. Saki. Saki. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Kabuki very much. Back in just a minute. <laughs> Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. It's a real thing in the back of your mind. 
That's a classic spot, the Coca-Cola. And uh, over the years, they've had some great campaigns, no doubt about it. They just keep mm-hmm. trying and trying and trying. Sometimes not as successfully as they'd like to be, but uh, that's the way it goes, I guess. Thanks to Herschel Gordon-Lewis today, our special guest on the advertising show, author of Asinine Advertising, Tor Myron, uh, out of, we were just talking about Leo Burnett, mm-hmm. out of uh, Detroit, actually in Troy, Michigan, which is a lovely city I used to live in. Uh, Executive Creative Director of Leo Burnett Detroit. So we'll talk to Tor uh, next weekend on the advertising. Yeah, you know, you're going to get a chance to talk to him about the uh, Cadillac uh, spots that we were slamming earlier in the last last segment, uh, questioning, I should say, about whether it was a good idea. Whether it makes sense or not, yeah. Yeah, to depart from the uh, Led Zeppelin riff there that you talked about. But apparently uh, uh, Tor is... uh, uh, among many other clients, uh, heads up the uh, creative effort for Cadillac. So we'll talk to him about that. That's a good thing. Yeah. Right now we're going to have to talk about something that, uh, well, it's it's kind of sad what's going on. You've seen Saddam on television. We, the, him and those other guys sit in what look like cages. Mm-hmm. Is that goofy or what? The judge quit. <laughs> he walked out. One of the lawyers quit. Didn't one of them get killed or something like that? Yep. Jeez, what a great We've country. Ramsey is. Lewis is one of their, uh, that Saddam has is one of his uh, attorneys, Ramsey Lewis. Can you believe that? You mean the jazz guy? No. <laughs> the, the former, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Let's, let's yeah. find out all about this right now. Here we go. Oh, wait, that's the wrong one. Let's go to this one instead. <laughs> Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. Arriving at the courthouse in Baghdad for his trial this past week, former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein climbed up on top of his limo and performed a brief dance routine to the delight of fans and well-wishers. The post strongman has been disrupted during the proceedings thus far, but uh, this past week's performance suggests that he's hoping to turn his trial into a full-fledged media circus. Arriving 45 minutes late, Mr. Hussein emerged from his limo wearing a white suit with a member of his entourage holding an umbrella to shield the former dictator from the sun. As his fans cheered, Mr. Hussein mounted his limo and performed a dance which one onlooker described as a modified moonwalk. In the courtroom, the judge demanded to know why the deposed dictator was 45 minutes late, to which Mr. Hussein responded, I'm bad, before launching into an energetic rendition of the 80s pop hit. According to Mr. Hussein's media advisor, the former dictator has been frustrated that his trial has not received the media attention that other celebrity trials have grabbed, particularly on E! Entertainment Television, and this past week's annex were an attempt to correct that. Saddam would like to come out of this trial with a movie or a sitcom very least, we'd like to wind up on the Surreal Life 6. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Boy, that's it. Um, what a card, huh? Well, jerk. With the, with the right publicist, he could get a show. Yeah, right, right. That's fine. It would all be in one room. <laughs> The it's reality behind show. bars, yeah. yeah. They put him in one of those uh, spider holes, as he originally was found. Absolutely. Here's something for you. I know you're excited about this. We're what? talking about the Super Bowl here. Hmm. The the Hooperettes, or the 
Hooperettes. Hooterettes. No, Hooperettes oh. will star in a Burger King ad during the Super Bowl. Shortly after Burger King's 62nd spot airs before an expected 90 million viewers, it'll go out over the newest ad or media. Millions of Sprint wireless phone subscribers with video service will have the chance to watch a longer version that includes outtakes and behind-the-scenes footage. And we talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. The Hooperettes. Hmm. There we go. Wow. Uh, dressed as burgers. <laughs> Flames, pickles, lettuce, tomatoes, sing and dance to the new lyrics for the famous Have It Your Way jingle. I cannot think about the Burger King Have It Your Way uh, slogan without remembering years ago, uh, Saturday Night Live doing a little spoof on that, and they came up to the uh, person comes up to the counter and he says, yes, Burger King, uh, how can I help you? And he said, would you mind blowing your nose on my cheeseburger? I remember that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like that's burned in my memory. I'll always remember that. By the way, for it's those that have, huh? yeah, right. For for those that haven't uh, sampled or are not a fan, I am here to encourage, and I know you like this, Ray. I'm encouraging all of our viewers or listeners, I should say, <laughs> to uh, view The Office and what's the other one, uh, uh, Earl. Those okay. are, I think, two of the hottest. Uh, the TV programs that were just introduced this past season. Uh, uh, My name is Earl is the one, and mm-hmm. Office, the Office is the other. And I got to tell you, the NBC, although two programs are not going to make a network, but uh, moving that to Thursday night and uh, a great lineup now for Thursday night uh, on NBC. If you haven't seen either one of those programs, uh, I, yeah, I highly encourage it. What do you think? Ray? Uh, you like absolutely, another place to go. Uh, yeah, love them. Another place to go. Tune in is the theadvertisingshow.com. Uh, it's a really great place. We didn't talk about that today, but uh, theadvertisingshow.com has the podcast and the RSS feeds. As a matter of fact, today's interview will be available, and you can replay it, and we won't send a cease and desist uh, <laughs> because we'd like to have you do that. It's theadvertisingshow.com. Really kind of a neat website, and uh, thanks to uh, to Ed Schippel and his team uh, with uh, Schippel.com, that's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com, that does a great uh, thing with our website, including uh, making it super efficient for podcasts and RSS feeds, but also has a product called Tendency. Uh, Shippel is called a web marketing company, and they do one heck of a job. So go to Shippel.com to find out uh, more about that. And that's and an example of how to integrate your message within the content of a program, and I thought you did that very well, Ray. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tip your waitress. Uh, exactly. We've got... Uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis, he's, uh, he's now at the pool with a Mai Tai. No, Older it's woman. Bloody Mary. <laughs> he's with a new woman. A new woman, I don't oh, think so. He was, he's was he been married some 20-some years, he said. And a very lovely wife, Margot, who knows uh, Joe and uh, Winnie Amaturo down at the floor. Said he made all of his mistakes on his first wife. He did. Okay, that's fine. Tor Myron, executive creative director, Leo Burnett out of Detroit. And uh, that's what's coming up next week on the advertising show. Go to theadvertisingshow.com to find out more. And remember, The Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Had a lot of fun with the man with three names today. And uh, we'll hope to see you next week, too. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. <laughs>